sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Wednesday, September 30th. Let's cock a doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and with me, as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day. And if you stick with us, you know we try to put the fun and functional sports content at the same time. And Kev... Yankees are healthy, <laughs> you know, and that is pretty much what we said we needed to do. And there was a scouting report somewhere out there that the way to get to Shane Bieber was to attack the fastballs early in the count. They absolutely did that to the tune of a 12-3 victory. Aaron Judge had us all rising very early on. You and I talked about this all day yesterday on air, off air. Uh, two things I believe are very important from this, besides the offensive explosion, right? This game, this game, by the way, with a total of six and a half, went over. But Kev was the only of the three of the four games to go over. So we'll talk about all of this. But for me, the biggest takeaway is that when you pay Garrett Cole an exorbitant amount of money, right? And you know that it breaks down to like, you know, a million dollars per start. And then we have a condensed 60 game season. So instead of 32 starts, the man makes like 11, right? He is not paid for any of those regular season starts. He is paid to be an ace. And what that means is I want to feel comfortable and confident as a Yankees fan that in game one of a series, I don't care who's on the other side. I don't care if it's the presumptive Cy Young Award winner. It doesn't matter. I feel like I have the edge because I have that guy on the mound. And we'll talk about the offensive explosion. But Garrett Cole, like, you know, did what he had to do, did what he was brought in to do for the Yankees yesterday, striking out 12. Striking out 13. Don't give my guy 13 a. even better. A. Okay, <laughs> even the, better. From the ace. Come on now. Even better. 13 Ks. Sit him up, sit him down. Get this team out of here. Oh, my goodness. You want to wait on the offensive explosion? Fine. We'll wait. Shane Bieber, I'm coming for you, though. Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole. Right away. First post mm-hmm. in starting pinstripes. It was road grays. I don't know if it still counts. But you get the point. Seven strong, two earned. Yeah. 13 Ks, 105 pitches. Dominant. He came out early. Look mean. Sitting fools down. I mean, it helps that he had a 2-0 lead to start, right? It helped that before he even towed the slab. He had two runs because, honestly, when you're thinking about Shane Bieber, right, we're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is going to be one nothing in the seventh, right? But that, I think the runs that they got in the first early on does help the mindset. But honestly, right, Kev, I mean, he's not brought in. We didn't need another game three starter. We didn't need another arm like a a Lance Lynn or a J.A. Happ that have been brought in. We needed that dude at the top of the – rotation i remember kev as a yankee fan facing the astros and being like oh they're throwing coal oh well right like i want to give opponents that feeling and you mm-hmm. know maybe the key is the personal catcher i don't know but he's looked good recently 
guy's looked fantastic. I mean, he has. And the thing is, you could see this coming. Because we said, and not only was he starting to get better, but typically in the second half is when Garrett Cole. Did. Yeah. Oh, no. It's Garrett Cole for everybody that is going up against him. It's exactly what we saw here in game number one. Absolutely. As we welcome in our radio audience from around the country, including the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast, you know, whoever wins this series, Kev, is going to be in a bubble in San Diego down right there with the mightier 1090. They may be watching the Yankees. Okay, you want to talk offensive explosion? Let's do it, Kev. Here's the the question I have for you, though, right? And we talked about this throughout the day yesterday. I think it's very interesting and something that we didn't focus on much yesterday. You only played this regional division of yours all season long, right? So Shane Bieber, who wins this triple crown uh, for, for pitching, did it all against the AL Central and the NL Central, right? So is there something to it that maybe he was pitching a different competition? Maybe that the Yankees had a book on him, just never had a chance to show that they could expose it? Do you think the lack of familiarity helped or hurt anybody? Or is it that the Yankees just had a good plan and attack? It seemed like they were not worried about that big hook. It seemed like they were trying to jump on Bieber early with the fastball. I mean, Gardner did it. LeMayhew did it. A bunch of people, it seemed like that was the book on him. Yeah, I don't think that... Ultimately, Shane Bieber is going to win a Cy Young because he was fortunate enough to pitch in the Central. He was outrageous. Give him all oh, the absolutely. credit in the world. It's but, odd, though, that going into a series, they don't at least have a you know old start in May to look back on. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, that was kind of the, the nature of all this. But listen, I mean, it's not the first time the Indians sent out a dominant closer who can't be touched against the New York Yankees and it gets touched up. I mean, the question was, how will... Corey Kluber, where you at? How will the Yankees hit Shane Bieber? The answer was early and often. Early and often. I mean, it was four pitches into the game, and it was 2-0. I said 7-1 Yankees all day. My apologies. It won't happen again for selling this offense short. I mean, Bieber did give up seven earned himself. Seven earned himself. I mean, listen... This is what we were talking about. And people think, oh, Yankees fans, man, you Yankee fans, you think your team's so great. Yep, yep, we do. Because every time they've been healthy, this is what's happened. Aaron Judge would have won MVP had he never got hurt. LeMayu's going to win MVP. Voight's going to finish top five in MVP. My guy, Giancarlo Stanton, sends one out. Brett Gardner's on fire. Glaber Torres is back. A happy Glaber Day, by the way, to everybody. It's a lovely yep. scene. The Yanks are healthy. It is. It is. The Yanks are healthy. That was the thing we were talking about. Masahiro Tanaka is the most important Yankee, though. We'll talk about it coming back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid, Dane and Kevin. And Kev, you know, yeah, it was a dominant performance by the Yankees yesterday, right? But ultimately, and, you know, I'm as happy as you are, right? But ultimately, it's one nothing, right? It don't matter if they won that game 3-2. to two. It don't matter if they won that game 15-2, to two, right? It's The series stands at 
one nothing. They need to get one of the next two games to advance to the next round out there in San Diego and go to the bubble. And the way they're going to try to do that is by bringing out Masahiro Tanaka against Carlos Carrasco in game two. The Yankees have moved to a big series favorite, and they are favorite in game two, which will happen tonight at 7.05 Eastern time. They're minus 126. The total has inched up to seven and a half, but that's low if you expect that Yankee offensive output, I guess. Huh, Kev? What do you see happening tonight? What was really interesting uh, is, you know, last night on in-game live, there actually wasn't a lot of games on towards the end of the, hmm. the show. And we had this line posted, and the, the total was eight. And you could set, you could tell by the juice that it could possibly be on its way down, and it's down here to seven and a half. And I can't help but look at the total and look at the Yankees as minus 126 favorites and, and think that they're... There might be a misstep somewhere, but I'm just not sure where. Because if the Yankees are minus 126 favorites, I mean, Dane, Carrasco, Tanaka. I yeah. mean, do you view Tanaka as a that type of an edge over Carrasco? Carrasco was probably better during the regular season. Masahiro Tanaka has a good postseason reputation. Carrasco in about 10 innings, though, has been real good in his postseason career. Like, I would think the minus 126 right. would be, the I guess, the book just found out that the Yankees had the most runs in the American League and the Indians had the second no, fewest I, runs. I'm not, I, like, because, but then the seven and a half has to be low, right? Right. I, I think it's two things when it comes to the side. One is that you, you you mentioned it. Masahiro Tanaka does have a record of playoff success. So I think that is a part of it. And when you talk about Carrasco, yeah, he's strong and he had a good regular season, but you still have to index them almost as severely, you know, still dropping down from the Indians with Shane Bieber on the mound. Right. So whatever they were viewed at with Bieber in game one, there has to be a drop down to Carrasco for game two. Remember, this Cleveland Indians offense was one of the worst in the American League. Right. Their saving grace was the supposed dominance they'd have every fifth day when Shane Bieber was there. So I think, you know, there is a drop in the way you index the Indians going from Bieber down to Carrasco. Right. But Cole down to Tanaka would be a comparable drop off, I think, to most. My, I, I think you would think is, so. I think the argument is either you back Cleveland or, right, and you think that there's too much of an overreaction here. Carrasco is, at the minimum, just as good as Tanaka. I still have home field advantage. The plus number's the, the way to go. Or you lean towards the Yankees, and I think then that's probably a lean towards the over. Because seven and a half in a game in which the New York Yankees participate is... is very, very hard to ignore. I, I think this is a spot where I think you can make a strong argument that there's value on the plus money for Carlos Carrasco. But this is the thing I said coming into this series. There's two spots that exist in these playoffs where I was basically like, listen, I'm tired of the all that matters is who's getting thrown out to the mound. And this was one of them. Yankees offense is way better, way better than Cleveland's. Mm -hmm. And we saw that take part in game number one. We did. We will see. You know, I, I, I will continue to mention this, Kev, all throughout the baseball playoffs. There's a tried and true saying in baseball that momentum is the name of tomorrow's starting pitcher. So we will see what happens when Carrasco and Tanaka face off. Another series that got underway yesterday was Houston, Minnesota. And I want to ask you about this because this one, like, profiled 
so much like I personally thought was going to happen. You know, the Twins were playing well. They had their lead. They have a key error, though, right, uh, towards the end of the game. And then, you know, not I don't want to say the floodgates open, but you have these kind of professional hitters working solid at bats in, you know, Springer and Altuve getting, like, bases loaded, walks. Granke was strong for four or five innings. Then they bring in Franmere, and, 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 and they get it done. They win 4-1. And now look at the flip in this series. You were saying that you were going to be very intrigued by what would happen if any of these underdogs win game one. We have that occurrence here with the Houston Astros going to Minnesota, getting a 4-1 win. Here's the thing. I, I understand you say that this went the way you saw it going. Mm-hmm. The Twins had a chance to blow this thing up in the first inning. They yep. sent Rosario and Sano to the plate with one out. And, well, Rosario to the plate with one out, bases loaded. He doesn't make good. And then up comes Sano with two outs, and he also doesn't make good. And right there, they had the chance to send Granky packing. Right there. He looked as shaky as I thought he might look. And then he was just able to find a bit of a groove. And then also, I don't really know, again, unless I, I missed press conference quotes, Anybody who thought Valdez was coming in to pick up the next five innings of work after Granke only went four. If you would have told me, as someone who liked the Twins coming into this set, that Granke was only going to go four and it was going to be the Astros bullpen for the next five, then you feel good about that position. But it was Valdez, who I thought could have got the ball to start a game two or a game three. And Mm -hmm. it clearly worked out for the Astros. They saw the importance and in getting that first win, and he came in, and he was fantastic for them. He was. So that was, to me, they, they were, you know, the Twins missed out in the first inning to blow the game open, and then a, a shift made by Dusty Baker to go to Valdez out of the pen allowed the Astros to keep pace the whole time, and ultimately they made good against Sergio Romo, and they found themselves with a – with a 4-1 lead. And even still, the Twins in the ninth inning put a couple of guys on with an they opportunity. Did. They to, had Presley up in the bullpen, but Val- they, Valdez they still was out able on to that get it done. Hitting. Yeah, and here's the thing. Here's the thing, Kev. And when I say things like, oh, it played out the way I want, here's, here's, here's part of what I mean. You mentioned kind of missed opportunities, right, early in the game mm-hmm. to bang Grinky out or get to a big lead. To me, the error – that happened that got to help the uh, Astros get their first run, I believe, in the sixth or seventh. That's the kind of thing, the missed opportunities, defensive lapses. Kev, that's the kind of thing that a team that's lost like 16 or 17 playoff games in a row, those are the things that happen. Right. Those are the things that happen to those teams that wind up losing those high leverage games. And the Astros are the kind of veteran experience laden team that makes good on that. Right. Like can convert or or when Romo is walking people, when there is an error to to make the coaching decision to kind of keep them close in the middle parts of the games. And you're right. Valdez was great. He is supposed to was supposed to, I think, be the game two starter. And so there is no lineup for game two of this series just yet we do know kev though that minnesota will be sending their you know presumptive ace jose barrios to the mound we do not know the starter just yet for the houston astros because it looks like they're trying to save mccullers if and when there is a game three you know this is the thing though that error like the twins only had one earned run to their name was the run that came in the seventh 
all of those ninth inning runs were were ended up being unearned as they should have got out of that inning. And that really No, Houston got happen. one in seventh. Houston got one in the seventh. Yeah. Right. They scored a run Wasn't in the that seventh. The... That was the earned run. Yeah. Right. And then the, okay. all of the ninth inning runs were unearned, is what I'm saying. Okay. So that's the kind of stuff that happens. Is what well, I'm right, saying. Right, but I, I Right, well, and I and I guess my, my, my point is, like, those are, if the belief is that the Twins just are basically a cursed organization and will never be able to make good on the bases loaded, and every time that they have the chance to get out of an inning are going to throw the ball away, then maybe that's the thing. I mean, the, you know, the Clippers can't get to the Western Conference Finals. Mike Dan right, right, right. can't get to the NBA Finals. Like, sometimes there might just be these ceilings that exist. I don't know, you know, the odds of the Twins losing 17 consecutive postseason games is astronomical. <laughs> Yet here we are. This is That's a spot, right. though, where I think I'll be willing to come back to the team that lost game number one. Because I think it was just mm. a few moments that were the difference in not just a Twins victory, but a, kind of a dominant Twins victory. At plus 190, they're likely favored to win this game. And if you do that... You're sat there with a team of plus one ninety who would be still favored than to win game number three. Yeah, I think that's fair. Remember, there is the saying out there: somehow teams find ways to lose. And if you're going to lose seventeen playoff games in a row, these are kinds of the ways you lose. We'll talk about two dominant pitching performances in the AL when we come back. SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips, twenty four seven, as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering: real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the grid. This is the early line. I'm Kevin Walsh, alongside my guy. Dane Martinez and Dane still two more games to get to out in the American League. Yeah, absolutely. As we also welcome in our radio audience from around the country here back onto the grid, including out there the mightier 1090. And 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 Kev, I got I got people out there on the West Coast, okay? And I, that's why I hope they all are safe with the wildfires that are going on. I got A's fans out there, right? And and in my my text messages back and forth with them yesterday, I was saying to them what I said to you that it's disrespect that they were like minus 108 on both sides for the series price as the 2 versus the Seven, but let me tell you something with Lucas Giolito on the mound yesterday, it did not matter. He was perfect for much of this game, had it broken up, I believe, in the seventh, but it was enough to still cruise. Lucas Giolito dazzled. Jose Abreu went yard, Angle went yard. The White Sox get the first game of this one as a road team. They go into the bay and win 4 1. So Giolito deserves the credit, but this is a spot. You know, yesterday, Dan, we're, you know, we're doing the show, we're talking about leans, plays, different things, right? This yeah. was the only game that I actually put literal money down on because as the day mm -hmm. advanced, it wasn't disrespect towards Oakland. Oakland ended up with a bad matchup, it seems like. I, I don't want to go crazy, okay? But it almost gave me a Miami-Milwaukee vibe in a way. Mm. You you see the stat that we've posted here, the, the, the graphic. The A's, or rather, excuse me, the White Sox, with that win yesterday, moved to 15-0 against lefty starters. Yeah. I mean, it almost begs the question, like, was Lazardo even startable in this series? And I know he's supposed to be their young stud, but 
right. we saw it. We saw it pay off. Like he he got hit. He got he you know they took him deep and he was all right. The strikeout pitch was working at, at points, but it was almost as if the A's were conceding game one. And I know they weren't, but due to what we've seen from the White Sox this year to have their best pitcher on the mound and then for the A's to be throwing a lefty, it's like they absolutely had no chance. And and you saw it early. You saw it early. They were able to get to Lazardo, And then, of course, Giolito, literally perfect through six, then found yeah. a two-inning groove where he struck out five of six batters and goes over his strikeout prop. He pitched into the eighth inning. Two hits, one earned run, one walk, eight Ks. An incredible performance from Giolito. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Kev, it's interesting. We've making the point because, you know, this idea of the starters at the top of the rotation and the playoffs and hanging your hat on that. And one of the things you have said is, like, most of these teams have great aces who are capable, right? And it's so interesting where the AL Cy Young Award winner in Bieber gets blown up. Meanwhile, you know, when you were looking at all the names on the marquee of the starting pitchers, right, a lot of people were intrigued by Cole and Bieber. A lot of people were excited about, like, you know, what – Blake Snell would do with Tampa and Giolito comes out and is like, hey, don't forget about me. He was perfect through six. So let me ask you this, though, because I see the game to today that's on tap right for three o'clock Eastern time back in Oakland. And, and Oakland is minus 124 today with Chris Bassett on the hill against Dallas Keuchel. And this series, Kev, was minus 108 on both sides. Remember, before game one. So is that does that mean that like Giolito was the the reason the White Sox were kind of even money with with the uh, A's in this series? Because now maybe it's in the pitching matchup here for Bassett versus Keuchel, but Keuchel is experienced. Keuchel has been here before. Why are the A's coming back as minus 124 favorites today? Yeah, I think what we learned, though, as well, is it probably was not just Giolito, but also yeah. the fact that the A's were throwing, albeit a good lefty, a lefty. And... Here they are today. I don't. I wonder if there's any desire to give them some juice facing elimination. There clearly isn't that desire with Cleveland. We'll see with Minnesota. Right. We'll talk about it in the next game. Um, of course, they're still home. And Bassett is their ace. But this is why this is tough. You know, Bassett had the sixth best ERA pitching below a 2-3. Keitel had the third in the American League, pitching below a two. And the way these bats are, listen, there's a gap in lineup here. There is. And I think we learned, you know, even yesterday, when you watch things, man, these lineups still matter. Like, because there's everyone is throwing, we said it, these good pitchers. And the A's are showing up without Matt Chapman. So real, that's yeah. that's important, man. Like, this, this guy is a legitimate MVP candidate. Like, very le- legit. And on the other side, the White Sox have Jose Ubreu, who might win American League MVP this year. Tim Anderson finished second in the batting title after being first in the batting title last year. Yoan sure. Moncada, Louis Roberts, Eloy, Funny yeah. Grandal. Like the Eloy didn't even play. Eloy didn't even but play. I'm saying this young lineup, they've got it. The question is, can Bassett, who is their ace, hold up to the billing, right? Because he's getting the money. Mm-hmm. He's the ace. So he needs to perform here today in game two or else the, the A's will be done. Of course. Yeah, I think it's for me uh, at plus money. I-, I lean towards the White Sox also. Okay. 
I'm hoping maybe the seven gets bought back up to seven and a half. And maybe we, we do play it under, though, because yesterday was 4-1. And realistically, just based if you're just going to go off ERA, these are the two aces of these teams, and they couldn't get over right. this number yesterday. So maybe there's still even enough juice there on the seven. I, I don't think there's a world where it gets down to six and a half, so I'm okay waiting on the total. And today, this could be another spot where you want to play it to the under. Fair enough. You know, remember, unders did come in in three of the four games yesterday. Maybe these, you know, pitchers, the playoffs, as it happens with other sports. And then the Yankees threw that completely out the window last night. The last game that took place yesterday, it's round out the AL game ones. Uh, Tampa Bay gets the job done at home against Toronto. We talk about how great Giolito was. Not far behind was Snell. He had a no-hitter through six innings. They get the job done. They go up three. Uh, you know, they win 3-1, they go up one nothing in the series. I mean, and now they've got Glasnow ready to go here, I believe, in game two. It was interesting to me, though, the Toronto Blue Jays decided to hold off on their ace until today, right? Hing Jing Ryu is going to go today for Toronto. Maybe they're just, you know, t- so that he has normal rest, so that is a kind of normal occurrence for him, and they can optimize what they get out of their ace, because that might be their only shot today. The thing is, for the Blue Jays, that is a tough loss to take yesterday. Because we can look at Blake, Blake Snell was great. But not only were they in it, man, the the predetermined pitching changes is what you heard a lot of Blue Jays fans complaining about. They made mm-hmm. the decision to go to Shoemaker to start this game. And through three innings, great call. Three innings of And work, then they bring in Ray anyway. Up two. But Dan, like Daniel Lee had 35 pitches to his name. You know, the, he's gone, you know, this is a guy that's gone six innings plenty of times on the season. It, it's not like this is an opener. And then you bring in Robbie Ray. And to be fair, like, Robbie Ray was also good. Like, he gave up the one earned run. Okay, I mean, that's not catastrophic. Through three innings, he only gave up one hit. Struck out five. I mean, the, the runner scored on a yep. wild pitch, right? It was a triple yep. and then a wild pitch. Yep. And he only threw 60 pitches, probably had a little bit more legs under him, and then they bring in A.J. Cole. So, you know, of course, look, when we go through these games, man, hindsight's twenty twenty. but I think it's okay to question, did they really need to have this quick trip? I mean, imagine if their approach, Dane, was what the Astros did. Granke to Valdez, that was how they got right. nine innings. If this team was able to go Shoemaker to Ray, you know, this game stays tighter a bit longer. And the Blue Jays have to sit there and look at their bats and be frustrated. Look, the Rays are going to be a tough team to score against. Blake Snell had it going, and they've got a great bullpen. But they had traffic on the bases. They left six guys on compared to only three left on for the Rays. They had guys in key spots. And maybe you could say inexperience shown. I'm I'm not sure. And there's a lot of people who backed the, the Blue Jays getting a run and a half, who felt really hard done by mm. on this result. And I just think it's a game where they now turn to Ryu, and yeah. I think they're still right there in the mix. It just feels like a spot where unless they win these next two, Blue Jays fans will be left thinking about what could have been because that's, that's a game they should have been 
even deeper into the game, probably right. tied on level footing with the Rays than they were. I mean, they definitely had a chance. I don't know if you saw it. Early in the game, they did interview Montoya from the dugout, you know? And he literally mm -hmm. said, we have a plan. We're just not telling you. <laughs> um, so this was their plan on how to do it. You know, I was I was intrigued by this. I saw our homegirl, Ariel Epstein, go with the shoemaker uh, K-prop on yesterday's show. And I was like, ah, he might be an opener. He might be the opener. There was but based on what? This. The, the conversation. Because um, I'm just on... The fact I'm just saying, if you look at his gone, game, said he hadn't gone a long time. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean, listen, the, the final game of the year, he only went three, but before that, five, four, six, four, two, and six. I mean, yeah, you know, it's a guy who had, and and the purpose of him was the games that he had pitched against the Rays. So you take those three starts against the Rays, and he was going deep into those games. So, you know, much deeper than three. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Much deeper than I three. hear you. Well, at least they have their ace on the hill right now in game two, right? Because if you lose game one, game two is such a leverage spot, right? And at least Toronto will be sending out Ryu. At least Minnesota will be sending out Berrios in their effort to keep their seasons alive today. There are eight baseball games today. It starts at noon. It won't end until midnight. And we take a look at the National League when we come back. We got game ones in those series. We've got pitching matchups. We told you kind of our leans on the series in yesterday's show. We'll look at the four games in the National League. They're game ones of plenty. We'll talk about them when we come back on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on to the early line. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kev, yesterday the American League got started. We had some interesting games. We had offensive explosions. We had almost perfect games and no hitters. So what waits on the horizon for us in the National League today? I mean, today, literally starting at, like, noon, going all the way through the entire day, through the entire night, through the game of the NBA Finals, there will be bas uh, baseball all day long. And it starts with what I think could be one of the best pitching matchups of the day, Kev. I know you we're on opposite sides on this one. The Atlanta Braves host the Cincinnati Reds, and I'm intrigued by this pitching matchup. Max Freed for Atlanta. Trevor Bauer for Cincinnati. Trevor Bauer was the pitcher of the month in September, led the National League in ERA and in whip. You made the point that Freed, I believe, led the National League pitchers in war. So the idea of these as two solid young candidates facing off in a game one of a best of three series is incredibly tasty to me my question though when we had colin bieber it got all the way down to six and a half this one is still at seven and a half and it is freed and the braves that are minus 132 favorites so this line was moving last night in the direction that i was wanting it to move as the during the show last night the Braves went from minus 138 to minus 126 to minus 122 mm. and the Reds were all the way down I think only plus 106 now, now there was clearly some buyback buy here back. on the Atlanta Braves so tough to tell where this line is going to settle there there might not be as 
much of or, or maybe the the reds money line can only go so far until people end up buying back on the braves but dan i ask you i, I view this very similarly to what we just saw with the yankees and the indians bauer mm. versus freed reminds me of cole versus bieber you know yeah. not as high profile but no, yeah, I, mean, I think that, those yeah, are apt comparisons the lineup, though, I think unquestionably favors the Atlanta Braves. And the only difference is the Braves are home, unlike the Yankees were yesterday. I, I, I get it. Bauer was excellent, but so was Freed. So I look at this as the pitching matchup being basically a wash. So I've got the home mm -hmm. team with a better lineup. That's why it's Braves for me. All right, fair enough. You know, I've been on Trevor Bauer. I've, you know, we, I've have a soft spot in my heart for Trevor Bauer ever since his 69 days of giving and all of his social media stuff out there against the Houston Astros. I'm okay with him, and I'll take a guy who was the pitcher of the month last month at plus money. You know, I, I understand Freed was good. I agree with you. The Braves have a better lineup, but I'm gonna go Cincy in this one. I do think that Bauer does have a slight starting pitching edge. But to your point, you know. Um, I think much like Cole Bieber yesterday, it's an important point that these teams did not face each other throughout the season. And so no one has had at-bats on this version of Max Freed. No one has had at-bats against this version of Trevor Bauer. So it will be different um, what we see. All those stats and trends from during the season may have to go out the window in this one. I still do believe in Trevor Bauer. I personally think he's the better quality pitcher. I'm going to take him at plus money. When we keep on going, the next one, as we go through the day here, Kev, at 2 o'clock Eastern, Wrigley Field will open their playoff series. It is a best of three. The Chicago Cubs take on the Miami Marlins. Now, we know this pitching matchup, right? Kyle Hendricks against Sandy Alcantara. Here's what I want to tell you, Kev. I think the fact that the Cubs or any of the teams in the NL Central have not seen these young you know, fireballer Miami Marlins pitchers, Alcantara, whether it's Sixto Sanchez later on, I think that could be different. They haven't seen these guys. These are live arms, and it could be hard first time around. I know Kyle Hendricks, probably you, you give him the edge in the pitching matchup. The Cubs are minus 166 on the money line. You know, I was listening to Alex Rodriguez on the telecast for the Yankees yesterday, and he was on this Marlins team, and he thinks that some of these young Marlins starters are exciting and first time around could be tough for the Cubs lineup to handle now what's really interesting about this game is that there's no total posted and there is not this is why Wrigley Field is hilarious because that's why the total hmm. it, it has to be the reason why the total isn't posted what's the wind doing know, that's what we got to find that's exactly out. clearly clearly they are not confident enough in the wind reports that they have to post a total Obviously, because there's no other reason to not post the total. Every other game, right? I mean, they were, you know, the Yankees game two was posted basically as soon as game one was over. So right. they don't know what to do here with the total. I love it. I think it's hilarious. Might Sandy Alcantara go out there and make it a, a tough day for Cubs bats? I think that's possible. I think this is someone who was certainly the best pitcher on this staff all season long. But he's going up against, again, a, a very good arm in Kyle Hendricks, who, number one, yeah. we started the year 
thinking that pitchers mm-hmm. weren't going to go deep into games. And then Hendricks was like, let me just let everybody know that's nonsense. Complete game shot out day, yeah. the year. <laughs> like, it yeah. was just amazing. I look at these two teams here, and I said it yesterday, it feels like a series that could get weird. I just, I think every aspect of the Cubs, I trust more. But maybe it's just a game where we wait until they have to decide on the total, decide on the wind, and we roll that direction. Because I don't know if I want to lay 166 with the Cubs. So wait a second. Let me just clarify here. Are you saying that we're, we're waiting on the total, but that ultimately your lean or play on this game would not necessarily be a side, but just riding the wind at Wrigley? Yeah, I think like so. If the wind's blowing I, in, you're betting the under. If the wind's blowing out, you're betting the over. Is that kind of the analysis at this point as opposed to focusing on the side in this game? And honestly, I might even be – and this is, by the way, why I'm sometimes a, a total buffoon when I bet baseball. I might just go the other way. Like if it's blowing out, I might just bet under and then hope the strikeout pitchers are working. And if it's blowing in and they post a super low total, let's just hope the bats can mash. I, it's not, I'm not going to, I might go against the wind. And again, that might not work out very well. There's a reason why the total isn't posted, but <laughs> we'll see what the total is. All right, I mean, how enough. high can the total be, Dane, at the end of the day? Like, Eight and if and the half? wind is blowing out. And I saw yesterday people saying. And it's the during the day, I mean. In. It matters. It matters, Kev, especially in a day game. I could see it getting to eight and a half or maybe even nine. Depends on the win. But let's put it this way. If you don't feel tremendously strong about it, we'll move to the next game where maybe you have a stronger. Because literally, your picks for this one aren't blowing in the wind. So let's Do you have a, to the next a lean game. on this one? I think Hendricks is too good. I think Hendricks is too good. I, I don't like the minus 160. Um, I'd be intrigued even by the run line. I'd be intrigued by the run line on this one. And that also hasn't come out posted. either. That hasn't mm-hmm. come out either, right? So we're still clearly waiting for some information in this one. I am a heavy believer in the wind at Wrigley during day games being the predominant factor for the total, though. Yeah. Um, so I will say that um, if there is strong wind blowing in or out, I would tell that as opposed to being contrarian with that, as Kevin suggests. There is another game. Let's talk about it. We're on the opposite side of this one. Remember, if you weren't with us in yesterday's show, out of the eight series i think kevin and i only are on the same side on three of them right and 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 they were different you know uh yesterday like i was on oakland he was on chicago chicago gets the job done right i was on houston he was on minnesota houston gets the job done so you know there a lot of this is up in the air another series that we were on opposite sides on are the st louis cardinals who go to san diego to take on the fathers paddock versus kim in this matchup i guess my biggest question is for you here on this one, not the pitching matchup, but like, do you think there is any lasting effects of the damn schedule the Cardinals have had to maintain for the last two weeks, Kev? No, not really. Okay. I mean, none that we can point to. They played, you know, they played good enough baseball to close out the okay. year, get themselves in a position where they didn't have to play the Monday doubleheader against the Tigers. I don't think that if there is. I don't think we've seen anything to tell us that's the case. All right. So if you don't think that's going to be an impact, what will be an impact in this game? Is it really going to be Paddock versus Kim? Will it be if some of these young studs on the Padres lineup, you know, 
uh, shine bright when the spotlight is on. We have seen that in the past, right? Last year in the playoffs, we saw Juan Soto emerge. We're excited about some of these young White Sox that we think can like shine on the stage. What about some of these young Padres that'll have their opportunity as well? So this is a, a spot here that's super interesting, man. Um, and the fact that the ball is being given to Huang Young Kim, I don't think should yeah. be overlooked here. So I'm leaning, right, like a lot of spots. I'm like, I'll just take the better offense. It's just almost kind of like a position that I'm rolling with here. And I don't think okay. there's really an argument for the Cardinals' offense over the Padres. But we got to try and be able to spot value when it's there. And, of course, pitching still matters a ton. Right. And, Dan, I think there's an argument to be made that the better pitcher is priced at plus 148, at least based on the season. Certainly not right. a name value, but on yeah. the year, uh, you know, Huang Young Kim maybe doesn't have as many starts under his belt as Chris Paddock, but he's pitched to an ERA below a 2. Paddock's pitched to an ERA above a 4. Yeah. So this is a spot for me where I think if I'm going to have to make a play on the side here, there like look at the other spots where you know, you're know you kind of, oh, I've got the better pitcher, right? Even in that game where we disagree with the Braves and the and Reds, right? It's plus 114 on bet, right? Like it's not a monstrous right, right, right. plus so number, right? Like if you think Carrasco is better than Tanaka, it's plus 108. You know, this is the second biggest dog on the board only trailing behind the team that plays the la dodgers so just from a value perspective i find it hard to argue against the cardinals but value is nothing if you lose the bet Right. Can I ask you this? And and I can't believe this sentence is about to come out of my mouth. Okay. And we've talked about also when you talk about the pitching and how Paddock is actually pitching to over four. We I, I've mentioned this throughout the season, right? It's actually Zach Davis and Denilson Lament who have been the studs at the top of the Padres rotation. Paddock has pitched to a four ERA. Clevenger did start off slow and then was really good in his uh, more recent starts before the injury. <sighs> this is the sentence that sounds weird to me. Are the Padres getting inflated? Have they sort of become a public team? You know, because of, you know, the, the trades that were happening, the era of good feelings with Fernando Tatis, even the damn uniforms, you know, like, are they a public team now that just people want to start getting behind? Is the momentum there? And can that be part of the reason why they're all the way, as you said, you know, kind of like the second biggest favorite on the board? Is there a little bit of artificial inflation just because of like the narrative that people want to hop on with San Diego, maybe? No, I, I think there is. And I don't. Like, very quietly, Fernando Tatis didn't finish the season very strong. Like, Manny Machado had a better year than Fernando Tatis. And I'm sure that'll surprise some to hear, but it's what it is. Like, now, Manny Machado's an awesome player. There's no shame in sure. My point He's got is, $300 million. <laughs> right. But, like, basically, the Padres got to a point, right? But then they kind of got locked into the four. And right. This is where it's difficult because the Padres aren't the Lakers or, you know, a team with, like, a postseason rep. The Yankees, even. I don't know why I'm going to basketball. But, like, they're not the Yankees, right, with, like, postseason reps. But a world where the Padres saw they couldn't catch L.A., but no one could catch them, and they just are like, all right, let's just start the postseason, I can't argue against. Can they flip the switch? We'll see tonight.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on sports grid. Dane and Kevin trying to put the fun and functional sports content and give you the information you need. Kev, you mentioned um, in the previous matchup, right, that the Padres are like a big favorite uh, today at minus 170. They're the second biggest favorite on the board because the Dodgers get into action to finish off the slate tonight. Game one in Chavez Ravine, it's Bueller versus Suter, and I'm at like minus 245 are the Dodgers. I Do I think the Dodgers are going to win? Yes. Will I lay minus 245? No. So, Kev, call me crazy. Is there, like, a different way to play this game where maybe I can get a piece of L.A. and not have to lay crazy juice? Uh, do you play the run line? Do you have another way? Are you touching this total, which stands at eight? How are you trying to see this game and make money off of it? So once we got these lines posted, I felt even – uh, more confident in the way we wanted to approach this series yesterday. We're going to go to the series uh, line. We're going to click on more wagers. We're going to go down to correct score. We're going to get. Mm-hmm. We're going to bet the Dodgers 2-0. I, I didn't look up on a parlay calculator. I don't know if your incredible math skills can tell me what the odds on a minus 245 parlay should be. I think it might be uh, still minus money, though. Like a two-team, both at minus 245 parlay. And it's obviously not a guarantee that both spots are 245. But if, like, Kershaw's on the mound tomorrow, it might even be higher than 245. Mm -hmm. But my point is it's plus 110 for the Dodgers to win 2-0. Simply put, depending on the kind of better you are, they win today. You can hedge off and lock in profit tomorrow. They lose. You got them at plus 110, and you didn't have to lay minus 245. And also... For, as someone, by the way, I'll just say quickly, who was thinking about taking this team to plus 130 to win the NL pennant, for only 20 less bucks, I have to wait two days to potentially win a bet, as opposed to having to wait, I mean, my goodness, until whenever the NL pennant yeah. champion's going to be crowned. So I think Dodgers at plus 110, up 2-0. I, I think it's one of my favorites on the board. All right, so, you know, they got to get the first one if they're going to sweep them, right? And that will happen tonight with Walker Bueller on the hill. It gets you to – it's still minus money, I believe, though, Kev. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, say roughly minus 250 if we use round numbers, right? If you do that twice, I do think you are still in minus money. But it's right around even if that's the way you want to play it. But you have so found value. a way to play this. Yep, it, it could be if that's the way you want to skin it. We turn our attention to the NBA Finals. After this, in hour number two of the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.